Hey, Kevin Draves here with The Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth Speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Happy 2019 from the den. It may be a new year, but you are still listening to the best in the world, The Howl. We would like to welcome you if this is your first time or if you're a regular listener to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhymesayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1973. Quarter one of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our division preview, and tonight we start with the Memphis Grizzlies. I am joined by Anthony Sane uh, at Sane Asylum on Twitter. That's S-A-I-N. He is a Grizz writer uh, for the Flyer Grizz and a co-host of the Outsiders Potty joins me tonight. Anthony, thanks for taking some time, and I appreciate this. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm glad to be on. Now, the, the Memphis Grizzlies last year, uh, you, you could definitely call it a down year, especially kind of what we've come to expect from the Grizzlies as a, a model of consistency. It's pretty clear that they were in a rebuild mode. 
Uh, they went 22 and 60 on the year. They finished 14th out in the West. Uh, now, now this year, some things have changed and let's start first off with the draft. Cause I think the, the Grizzlies got immediately better building in the draft. They got the guy that, that I wanted in John ja Morant, but they also got a guy who's going to have, I think a sneaky good year in Brandon Clark. Yeah, the Grizzlies had a lot of luck uh, when it comes down to the draft this year. Uh, we were a team who, at one point last year, was trying to convey our draft pick that we owed to Boston. We were trying desperately to get out of the draft. Um, closer towards the end of the season, the Grizzlies started uh, to kind of have kind of a whatever happens approach to the draft as far as conveying goes, and they actually uh, finished eighth after uh, the ping pong balls that they had. You know, they had to do the, the tiebreaker. Uh, before the actual draft lottery, and we finished eighth. Uh, so when the actual draft lottery happened and we got the number two pick, uh, the city was overjoyed. I remember, because uh, not only do I cover the team, I'm a native Memphian, so I'm I'm definitely a fan of the team as well. And I remember being overjoyed, jumping up and down, saying that we got John Morant. And then, of course, on draft day, when we selected him, the Grizzlies uh, uh, selected him as one of the key uh Pieces towards our future, as well as with uh, Jaron Jackson as well. And uh, things are definitely looking up. The, the organization has a totally new front office at this point, uh, led by Zach Kleiman. And uh, also Tayshawn Prince and Chris Macris are pretty much that three-headed monster that they have on a day-to-day basis over there. And they're doing some good things with the Grizzlies. Made some, made some nice uh, moves over the offseason, nice trades and acquired assets and acquired uh, future picks as well. Yeah, the, the Timberwolves fans here have some experience with Tayshaun Prince. He spent a couple of his final years in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, he was a, a great basketball player in his time. Hopefully he can he can move that over to the front office and, and be successful. Now, you talk about the front office with some turnover. You also have some role players in there as well that uh, that you got, at, you know, in the offseason. First off, uh, Wolves fans, again, super familiar with a guy named Tyus Jones. Uh, you got Jim mm-hmm. Crowder, Josh Jackson. You got one of the Plumlee brothers. I mean, you've got some new role players in here who should should fit in and and help those young guys grow a lot. Uh, what do you think of those offseason signings for you guys? Uh, I was I was pleased with things the Grizzlies were able to do. With as far as signings go, they signed Tyus Jones, who is a very steady point guard. You probably can tell me more about Tyus than I can tell you about him. Uh, <laughs> Right, exactly. He was the guy that I know the Grizzlies had interest in going into that draft the year that he was drafted. I know that the Grizzlies had high interest in him. Just a super handy guy. Uh, he's makes a lot of smart plays. Not a, not that good of a shooter, but just that insane uh, assistant turnover ratio that he had. Uh, I probably need to ask you uh, as far as you know, do you guys see him as being a major loss to you guys as far as the backup point guard position is concerned? We're excited about him here. He looked pretty good in his first preseason game. Uh, he was our only free agent acquisition, but uh, we're definitely uh, excited about uh, having him on board. Yeah, Tyus, I think the majority of the of the fan base here love Tyus. I mean, he's a, a local Minnesota kid, uh, actually went to high school in the city, you know, next door to me. And I remember, you know, playing pickup ball against him and his little brother at the uh, the Lifetime Fitness way back in the day. Uh, but, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head, that assist to turnover ratio. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He can see the floor really well. His shooting is something that that never came along as we all really hoped it would, but he can score. And, you know, my my desktop background on my computer is him dunking on LeBron. But there's there's a lot of great things about Tyus, and, and I think uh, Grizzlies fans are in for a treat with him this season. 
Yeah, he um he did well in the preseason game yesterday. I was able to attend the first preseason game. Made some great passes. He actually knocked down a three pointer yesterday too. So he's a hundred percent from three in the, in the uh, preseason so far. Um, funny story about him. I actually have a brother that lives in uh, in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis St. Paul area, and um, I went to go visit him because my nephew was born. So I went to go visit my brother. And I was in the hotel, and the lady was like, uh, she was like, excuse me, sir, are you in the NBA? I said, no, ma'am. She said, there's a guy that plays for us that looks just like you. So just a little odd story. She was talking about <laughs> that's a that's 100% <laughs> yeah. compliment if she's comparing you to Tyus Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was saying he is, she thought I was Tyus He is Jones. absolutely beloved in this state. He's done a lot of great things, and uh, uh, I know for sure we're definitely going to miss him. And and one player that that I'm curious on if – uh, Memphis is going to miss his Mark Gasol. I mean, he was moved at the deadline last year. Uh, you guys got Jonas Valanciunas back. Uh, talk about kind of the, the comparison between the two, and, and do you think Jonas is going to fit in long-term in, in Memphis? Yeah, uh, the city absolutely loves uh, Jonas, man. Uh, it's kind of strange because we're, uh, we're definitely a blue-collar city, and the city uh, really embraced him when he got here. Uh, big-time rebounder, big-time back-to-the-basket scorer. Uh, and, and Coach Jenkins actually wants to use him more, uh, shooting the three-point shot more. And he said that that's something that he's he's able to do and he's fine with doing. Uh, we haven't seen him yet in preseason in Coach Jenkins' uh, style of play uh, yet because he, he's suffering some type of, I think, foot injury, like a little minor ankle foot thing he's got going on. So he didn't play in the last game, but we're looking forward to see what he does. The city really likes him. Any guy that comes in, uh, you know, Memphis is known for the Zach Randolphs of the world, the Marcus Halls, the Tony Allen, uh, those type of guys. So uh, Jonas fits in perfectly. The city has really wrapped their arms around him. They really uh, are excited about what he does and what he's been able to bring to the table. We're really looking to see how he's going to play alongside Jaron Jackson. Jaron is a guy who can pretty much score inside and out and is even adding uh, being able to to, uh, to dribble, you know, dribble drive and get to the basket. That's something he's added to his game. So we really, we really anticipate seeing what that looks like with uh, Jonas this year. You know, you just started to cover a little bit of what I wanted to go into next, and that's the growth of Triple J. You know, we see him in his next year here, and he showed a lot of great things in that first year. What do you want to see out of him that shows you that he's trending in the right direction and that he wasn't a one-year wonder? Uh, we'd like to see more aggressiveness from Jaren. Uh, the team is pretty much the ball is in his hands. Jaws getting a lot of hype as being – uh, the future of the franchise, but I personally believe that Jaron's upside is scary. Actually, uh, well, you got a guy who who's already showed the ability to be a, an elite level defender, and then he can score from the inside. He can, he can shoot with range. Uh, I'm sure, you guys may have seen the highlight when he hit a step back three pointer on LeBron James to win the game against the Lakers last year. This is a guy who's six foot eleven, and 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 they said they believe that he grew over the summer, so he's probably a legit seven foot with shoes on this year. Um, Jaron just has the ability to be a, a fantastic player, uh, to be able to do things that you haven't seen many guys do on a basketball court. Uh, it's just you're, you're looking at a ceiling for him, a fantasy ceiling him, where you're looking at a guy who could be a Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett-type player with the ability to shoot three-pointers, which is something we've never really seen before. <laughs> just imagine, you know, a guy that you guys know very well, Kevin Garnett. Imagine oh, that yeah. guy with, with three-point range. That's basically what you're looking at. Is a, is a possible ceiling for uh, for Jaron. Just a great guy. Uh, he's you know the community's falling in love with him already. He gets it. He knows how to. Uh, he's me. He has media savvy. 
he has just an outstanding personality, and we're just looking forward to everything Jaron uh, could possibly do this season. Man, that's a that's a scary comparison right there. I mean, if you if you get that a player of that caliber, and then he can hit the threes and. And especially a defensive level too. That guy's going to be a, a scary, scary man for for years to come in this league. Uh, yeah, like I said, he's starting to dribble the ball. He's starting to you know put him in ISO situations. And, and he was there were situations yesterday where he caught the rebound and brought the ball to the court, and it was like, okay, uh, my head's starting to hurt looking at him do that. So I, I, it's just the potential for Jaron is scary. He's still one of the younger players in the league even after this year's draft. Yeah, man, nothing scarier than a big man that can handle the ball well and shoot the three. That's uh, right. that's slowly becoming the norm across the league, and it's uh, especially a, a young guy like him. That's going to be definitely a terrifying thing for teams to to see on the road and at home. So, uh, right. now one question, one last question I have for you, real quick here: uh, Tyus Jones, John Morant. Uh, do you have any idea who's going to start the season, and oh, who do you, and who do you think is going to finish the season as the starter? Uh, it's definitely going to be job from beginning to end. Uh, Coach Jenkins, we talked to him about this at media day as well as uh, practices and after the game yesterday as well. He's he's basically said that he's going he's not going to pump the brakes on job. He's going to let him do his thing. Uh, he wants him to play fast. He wants him to play aggressive. He's going to let him take his bumps. He's going to let him learn uh, on on the job training, so to speak. So uh, believe right. having Tyus is, is going to be a great addition. But we're we're expecting job to be the starting point guard for the entire season. And and Tyus off the bench is a is a great thing. That's what we got accustomed to here in Minnesota. He did show some good flashes when he when he started when Jeff Teague was injured. So uh, rest assured, if Ja if anything happens to Ja, which obviously we hope it doesn't, uh, that team is in good hands with Tyus as your as your starter as well. Uh, now yeah. Bovada has Ja Morant plus three fifty for Rookie of the Year. Obviously Zion is the early favorite. Uh, is that is that some action that you see yourself taking on on Jada win rookie of the year? Do you think he has a shot? Uh, me personally, I know it's a lot of homerism to it, but I I I, I am going to say it for the first time on wax. I'm going to say it on your podcast that I believe that <laughs> I believe John Moran will be rookie of the year. Uh, I believe that Jada is more NBA ready. Uh, I believe he's got more right now NBA skill than than, uh, than Zion has. Zion has a hell of a of a, of a uh, hype machine that's going to be behind him. I, I'm not going to try to down, downgrade him as a player. I think he's going to be a phenomenal NBA player. But as far as being able to come on the court and do NBA stuff day one, I believe John is going to be more equipped to do that. Now, Zion's going to be ridiculous this year. I'm not going to say he's not. But I think that, uh, that John is going to do some amazing things this year. And uh, I'm, I'm pers- personally, of course, pulling for him. But I do also think that he has the ability to have a legit shot to actually win rookie of the year. It's going to be a fun division having Zion and Ja in the same division playing against each other uh, a handful of times this year. It's super exciting. Now, Bavada also has the Grizzlies at 26 and a half wins as the over-under. If you're in Vegas staring at that sports book, are you taking the over or the under this season? I'm not a betting man, but I do have us taking – I do have us winning more than 26 games this year. I think that the Grizzlies stealing – I think that our floor probably is around 27, 28. But I think our ceiling is around possibly 35 if all things go well. Uh, mainly because wow. a guy like uh, Valanciunas, I think he's going to be a great. Uh, he's going to have a great season this year. We have uh, role players like Jay Crowder who are going to be uh, doing significant things. I really love the things that Coach Jenkins is doing with the five-out offense. Uh, watching it yesterday, he's doing some some things with uh, Bruno Caboclo that I've never seen. Bruno Caboclo was drafted as a uh, drafted as a, as a wing as a small forward. The Grizzlies kind of used it as a 3-4 last year uh, under Coach Bickerstaff where he played a lot of power forward. 
Uh, Coach Jenkins is using them straight up as, as a backup five this year, and it looked very good last year. It looked very good in the preseason game. Uh, we weren't really playing anybody. It was a uh, international team we were playing, but Bruno looked great as as a backup five yesterday. And Adam looked well shooting the three. I just think that if they're able to knock down shots, and uh, and, I, and if our young guys play up to their potential, I think we can surprise some things. I think we can be a little bit ahead of schedule this year. All right, man. Uh... Again, Anthony saying thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, a, a little bit here to uh, shamelessly plug your stuff. Well, uh, you can follow me at, at Sain Asylum on Twitter. That's at S-A-I-N Asylum on Twitter. I also cover the Grizzlies for the Memphis Flyer newspaper, and that's at Flyer Grizz blog. Uh, I have a great podcast that I do with uh, Cam Rose. It's called The Outsiders Podcast. It's at uh, The Outsiders Pod on uh, Twitter. Uh, check us out. Uh, we do some great things, and uh, just yeah, glad I could come out. Come on today, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, Anthony, and uh, we'll be in touch for uh, uh, when the Wolves play the Grizz. All right, sounds good. Okay. Welcome back to the Southwest Division preview. I am joined now by an NBA writer for Project Spurs and the host of the Spurs Cast, Paul Garcia. Paul, thanks for taking some time tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to, to talk some Spurs basketball with you all. Yeah, it's you know it's it's great that we get to this time of year because that means that the regular season is upon us. It's coming up really, really fast here, and uh, everybody loves basketball. So uh, it, it's an exciting time of year. And for the Spurs, you went 48 and 34 last year. That's good for the seventh seed in a a very tight West. That really this off season only seemed to get tighter, and the Spurs more or less kind of stayed put. I mean, they signed Trey Lyles, they got Damari Carroll, but otherwise really no, you know, huge splashes in free agency that we saw out of some of the other teams out of the West. What were your thoughts on the, on the free agency moves or lack thereof from the Spurs this off season? Uh, kind of pretty, pretty expected. You know, the Spurs are a very conservative type of team where they don't make a lot of drastic moves um, outside of that one year they went, when they went after LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, so, you know, they weren't over the cap team. So, so their main priorities were to maybe get a veteran or two, like you mentioned there, Damari Carroll, and then kind of just bring Rudy Gay back. He was their, their lone free agent out there. Uh, so they were able to lock, lock up Rudy Gay using his bird rights. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, really their biggest addition is going to be the, the inclusion of DeJounte Murray coming back. You know, he missed all of last season with an ACL injury that took him out in the preseason. And so they really were really high on him last year coming in. Of course, he gets injured. And so now, I mean, you're just adding a really athletic piece uh, who is their starting point guard in DeJounte, who was a all-defensive second-team member the year before um, before he got injured. So, so really, that's like their one big key addition is a guy who's coming back now in DeJounte Murray. And now, is he going to be ready to go at the start of the season? Yeah, he's definitely going to be ready. He played, uh, I want to say it was like 17 minutes in his first game, a preseason game against the Magic on Saturday, and he looked good. He had his burst back. He wasn't scared to, to take contact and get to the foul line. Uh, those kind of things that you want to see from somebody coming off a, a horrific leg injury. So, yeah, I mean, they'll have him on a, some sort of um, limits restriction every now and then, but it's nothing like, you know, where, where he's going to be taken out of nightly games and stuff. So he should be there for them. No, that's that's good to see, because I remember when he went down, that was a, a, a huge blow to the Spurs team. Now, you know, you've got Patty Mills as your backup, and, and we really actually saw an emergence of Derek White as well last year for the Spurs in DeJount's ab, uh, absence. What does uh, DeJount returning do for the stock of Derek White? 
Yeah, Derek might end up having to come off the bench right now, it looks like, because, uh, you know, they still have Brent Forbes there as a starting two, and Brent Forbes does not want to let his job go. He had 23 points or 24 points in his uh, first preseason game as well. Brent Forbes is like their lone, like, volume three-point shooter, so they have to have him on the floor as much as possible, you know, flanked by LaMarcus, flanked by DeJounte, by, by DeRozan, all those different other guys who don't shoot threes. So, I mean, it's critical to have Brent Forbes on the team, um, on the floor, should I say, for outside shooting. And, and the effect there is that, that, that Derek White, who's not really a reliable, consistent uh, outside shooter, is probably going to have to come off the bench. He's a really good playmaker. So with DeJounte and DeMar starting and LaMarcus, uh, he won't get a lot of possessions if he's starting with those guys. So the most likely outcome is they'll, um, they'll bring him off the bench. And and do you think he's going to get some decent minutes coming off the bench? I mean, you know, kind of a, a log jam at that point guard position. Yeah, I think he will. Uh, I think he's going to play more of like the two, even though he, he'll still be the, you know, the, the quote unquote point guard who like kind of runs the offense because Patty's more of a spot up shooter at this point. But, you know, I think that the guy who you really got to watch uh, is Lonnie Walker, who's probably not going to get minutes right now just based on this rotation. Uh, because, you know, you, like, you, like we just mentioned, Derek White's not going to the bench. And then you still got Marco Bellinelli. You still got Patty Mills. Those guys are going to be getting their minutes no matter what. So, so a guy who a lot of Spurs fans are, ha- are excited for, Lonnie Walker the fourth, he may not get those minutes because Derek's now going to push the bench and, you know, all those different effects. Well, and let's, let's talk about Lonnie Walker. You know, he had a, he had a, a, uh, an overall pretty decent year last year. Uh, now with this log jam, he might not get the minutes that maybe, you know, fans think he deserves or he thinks he deserves or, or that he actually does deserve. But in, in the limited time that you see out of him this year, uh, what do you want to see, you know, that, that kind of points you towards there's, there's some growth there. What do you want to see out of Lonnie Walker in year two? I, I guess, you know, for one, uh, playing on defense, you know, really, really putting a focus there and emphasis there. That's actually where, where he'll get minutes is that he's so athletic and just has, you know, he's so young, too, that he can he can do more defensively than Marco Bellinelli can, who's kind of ahead of him in the rotation. So that's one thing is his defense. Second is his uh, decision making, whether it's a shot selection or it's his, um, you know, his play out in the pick and roll or out of the open court. Sometimes, you know, he, he, he automatically just goes straight for like an 18-foot jumper early in the shot clock. You want to see him be a little bit more patient and really make wise decisions. So I think, again, I think Bellinelli is the guy that he kind of has to beat up for his role in minutes, and and kind of that's kind of the, the matchup I'm going to be watching throughout the year. Uh, so let's talk about some of these key players on this roster. Now, when you look at you know guys like Lamarcus, uh, even you know Damari Carroll, Marco Bellinelli, uh, Demar Derozan, all of these guys are pushing you know 30 plus. You look at Patty Mills at 31. Uh, Rudy Gay is 33. There's a lot of the, the key players on this team are are over that 30 plus mark. Is there any type of concern in San Antonio with your your key players getting older and no real free agent splash for a younger guy to maybe keep around for you know five six years kind of thing? Uh, I mean, you know, I think that this is kind of the direction the the franchise is kind of heading toward, just because of the you know the un- the, uh, the the un- the un- um, you know the unforeseen circumstances with the whole Kawhi Leonard saga. Kawhi was supposed to be that guy for the future, and obviously we saw how that played out. So, you know, they're basically trying to stay competitive with all these veteran guys in their 30s, but they do have a young core that they're really hoping in the next you know two to two to four years kicks it off, which that's going to be led by Dejounte, Derek White. Uh, Lonnie Walker, and then two guys they got in the draft, which were Lucas Demonich and uh, Keldon Johnson. So, so yeah, I, I know that the fans are probably going to get upset this year because you're not going to see a lot of those young guys um, play. They're probably going to be sent down to Austin. And, and the guys that, you know, like Derek White that are still here, Lonnie Walker, they may not get as many minutes either. 
So, um, you know, it's still going to be the go-to guys, which are like, like how you mentioned there, LaMarcus, Damari, uh, DeRozan, all those different kind of guys. And, you know, it's just, it's just more about staying competitive, you know, trying to get another playoff seed and, and continue that success while, you know, down the road, those young guys will eventually get to take the keys. You know, LaMarcus last year averaged 21.3 points and, and just shy of 10 rebounds. Uh, down a little bit in the points from last year, but I mean, two years, you know, he's been averaging right in that 22 point range. And that's kind of the first we had seen since, you know, the, the, you know, 2013, 2014 days. Do you think that's something he can keep up? Is he still the, the go-to primary guy on this team? Yeah, I think so. Just, you know, he's, he, he and DeRozan, they're just not going to change their style. I know that here, here in San Antonio, a lot of people want them to shoot threes, both of them. And it's just not there. You know, LaMarcus could make that transition easiest by just popping out more on his pick and pops to the three-point line, but he continues to just basically be more comfortable in that 18-foot range. Uh, and, you know, he's still one of the go-to guys. So, you know, they'll, they'll run half-court possessions with him in the post-up. He'll do those, those turnaround posts. If he has a mismatch, he'll, he'll drive inside a little bit more and, and kind of use a little jump hook. So he's going to kind of get his, his baskets the way he normally does. I don't see that changing a lot. So I think that he can he can still put up, um, you know, 20 – 20 um, low 20s a night, uh, especially with how the NBA is shifting again. You know, as we continue to see with low, with smaller lineups, where Lamarcus is more so of a five these days, he plays more at the five than he does as a as a traditional four. So, so yeah, I think his impact will still kind of be there, very relative to last year. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll make an All Star team uh, based on you know some of the additions that that the Western Conference got, but he, he's definitely in there in that pack. Let's let's circle back to the draft because you know you mentioned the the two draft picks, Luka Samanic and and Keldon Johnson. Uh, two names that I don't think a lot of the, um, you know, NBA fans in general, especially with Luca, were were aware. But those are both very Greg Popovich picks. Uh, what what should the NBA world know about the the two 2019 uh, Spurs draft picks? I, I think these are two guys where the NBA is not just the general NBA is not going to get to see them until like next year or the following year, just because. They're very young and raw, and with a, with a completely maxed out Spurs team in terms of, of roster and depth, it's going to be really tough, honestly, to see them playing here in San Antonio. I, I think that both of them will, will end up most of their time in, in the G League in Austin. Uh, we might see, you know, when somebody's hurt or somebody needs a night off, they may bring one of those guys up to play. Uh, I think down the road, though, I mean, I saw some of uh, Keldon in Summer League where he really has, uh, he can really become a really good defensive player for them. And then, you know, offensively, he's kind of raw, so he can, he can, you can kind of mold him to become a, whatever kind of player you want him to become, whether that's a shooter, whether that's a guy who drives to the rim. With Luca, he's, he's also very raw, too. He has a lot of talent in terms of just like his craftiness that, that, a, that a big man normally doesn't have at his size. And, and he, can, he can show some impressive times of taking the ball off, off the dribble or, or running a pick and roll. But, you know, a lot of times, though, at this age, he, he is turning it over a lot more often than making plays. So, so really, I mean, I don't see either guy getting in, into the rotation for Pop. It's hard for any kind of rookie. You know, this is the, this is the process for, for DeJounte, for um, Derek White as well. The last rookie who really got a, any kind of playing time in year one was, was Kawhi, and that was it. I mean, you got to be a really, um, uh, um, you know, it's a rare thing to get any kind of minutes under Pop and roll. So I don't see that from those two guys coming this year. And that's kind of that old school coach mentality. But if you look at the Spurs track record, I think that's uh, that's fully acceptable by a lot of people's standards. Uh, <laughs> one one guy that I'm kind of worried about uh, in the long term for the Spurs is DeMar DeRozan. Now he's got a player option for 2020-21, uh, pays out $27.7 million. Um, I have heard some rumblings that he's a little unhappy down in San Antonio. Is there any truth to that rumor or do you see him maybe staying long term? 
Uh, you know, I, I really think that, that that comes down to whether or not they're going to give him the contract extension because he is eligible right now. And uh, they haven't really, you know, Sean Sharani of the Athletic just reported on Friday that they're actually opening up the discussions finally. And I think that if there's any unhappiness, it's because of that. He feels that, you know, why aren't they coming to me right when I'm eligible for that extension, which was July 6th that, far, that long ago. You know, why didn't they come to me and start having these discussions? So, you know, as a player, I think that he's upset that, that uh, you know, why, why aren't the Spurs coming to him and, and wanting to commit to him long term? Uh, and then now that we're kind of seeing that those discussions are taking place finally, uh, it makes it more, um, you know, more realistic. So, you know, I, you know, I think, I think he'll play his season here. Uh, we'll see if, if he gets a contract extension. They, they, did, they had a similar move with LaMarcus Aldridge a few years ago where it looked like LaMarcus was unhappy and, uh, you know, he had a talk with Pop and then uh, the Spurs ended up giving him like a three-year extension. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's more of a move just to make sure that they have the player long-term and if they need to trade him down the road, at least there's security for the player and also for the, the team that's trading for him. So, so I'm kind of keeping my, my ears open for these next few weeks to see if any kind of um, breaking news happens that the Spurs and DeRozan agreed to like a three- to four-year extension. Or, you know, if, if, if there's no extension, then as we get closer to February, that becomes very interesting because then the trade markets get about to close up. And if, if the Spurs think that DeRozan's going to opt out of his player option this coming summer and, and become an unrestricted free agent and leave, well, then they need to try to get something for him, and that would be that, uh, that, that, that February deadline. So right now, uh, if you go onto Bavada's website, they have the Spurs at 45 and a half wins for the over-under. Uh, if you're sitting at the sports book in Vegas, you see that 45 and a half. Uh, as it stands right now, are you taking the over or the under on that win total? Oh, I'm taking the over. Well, all right. 45. So where, where do you think they end up in the, in the so 50 range? My, yeah, no, no. I, okay. I'd say, I'd say somewhere like uh, 48 to at best, like 51, maybe I, I, I'm not, I don't want to say 50, you know, they get there, but you know, definitely I think 48 is really, really a realistic for them. And just in terms of seeding, I think like six to eight seed is, is where I see San Antonio finishing up the season somewhere in that range. Okay. So you do see the Spurs making the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Let me ask yeah, you this. I, I haven't, go ahead. This, this, this division is, is going to be pretty tough overall when you look at it from a, a, an overall standpoint and the West got a lot tougher uh, mm-hmm. out of the Southwest division. Who do you see? making the playoffs i mean do you see four teams five teams what are your what are your thoughts uh i i still see um the spurs the rockets for sure and i think you know i i really like dallas and new orleans what they did uh but i i'm not 100 percent sold just yet on, on dallas and new orleans so that's why i'd still take the spurs and rockets only if i had to right now all right there you have it paul i'm going to give you here an opportunity to uh to promote spurs cast and and project spurs yeah, so if you all want to follow along, just go to um, projectspurs.com. We have all of our, our, our content up there. Uh, if you want to follow, listen to us, uh, we have the Spurs cast going. So you can just go to iTunes, you know, Spotify, all those different places, and just type in um, the Spurs cast, and, and you'll find our podcast there. So thanks a lot. And also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm, I'm at Paul Garcia NBA. Perfect. Yeah, a, a great follow, especially with the NBA season coming and a, a, a team that does it like nobody else in the NBA, especially the way that Greg Popovich runs things down there and the uh, and the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Paul, once again, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk as the season goes on. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. Welcome back. This is our Southwest Division preview here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Nut Channel and The Howl. Once again, I am joined by Zach Noble, and he is here to talk some Houston Rockets basketball. And Zach, you and I were talking here before the recording, and and – we just we we can't stop dishing about the biggest acquisition that the Rockets had this season 
in the great Anthony Bennett. Yeah, man, I was mad when the Timberwolves let him go, and now the Rockets swooped him up from underneath everybody in the NBA. It was just a steal. I'm it's so it, you know, we gotta we'll, we'll say I told you so when he puts up his uh, his string of forty plus point games, just like James Harden did last year. Yeah, the real question is though, I'm worried about his foot injury right now. I'm not even sure if he's gonna make the team. I was I was loving the shape he was in and. Um, honestly, being really good in the G League there, I thought he'd have a legit comeback, but um, I'm honestly skeptical he's going to actually make the squad. Well, and there, it seems like there's a lot of kind of a, a log jam for the Houston Rockets, but let's let's kind of go back here to the beginning because we've got a lot to talk about. So let's, let's talk about last year for the Houston Rockets. Now, uh, they obviously overall played pretty well. They didn't get as far as they wanted to. Uh, and you look at the team as a whole, you know, after going 65 and 17, you finished first in the West. They, they made a good run and then they seem to get even better this year. Uh, what did you think of the Rockets off season as a whole? Yeah, honestly, it was another unfortunate way to end the year. Um, honestly, they've just been the team that's had bad luck. Kind of like the Raptors have been running into LeBron James. It was never a Raptors problem in my opinion. It was always a LeBron James problem. And just like the Rockets, I don't think it's ever been a problem on them. Everybody always likes to point the finger and go the easy road and of these guys choking. And I just have never thought that was the case of choking. I think if they just played the best team of all time uh, the last few years, and that's what's going to happen, um, just weren't good enough. But um, as pertaining to their offseason, they made the adjustments thinking they the Warriors were going to just run it back because obviously that's the only reason why they're making moves is to reach closer and claw at the bear. I mean, they're there. They're Honestly, they've been the second-best team in the NBA in my estimation. Even last year, I think they were the second-best team, if not the best. Like, I think they would have worked the Raptors and along with a couple other teams. I think they're, they've been good enough in the playoffs and just been running into the Warriors. So, when they made this move for Russell Westbrook, I loved it, honestly. And I'm all about the fit. I think it's going to work just fine. Uh, we can get into it in a second here. but um, And I'm one of the biggest Chris Paul guys there are. And I just – I think it's perfect because Chris Paul was declining. He's shown plenty of signs. Russell Westbrook's on a questionable contract, but it's about as good as you're going to get for Chris Paul. So it's a move you absolutely have to make if you're Daryl Morey. Other than that, the small moves I think are just good risks. Just I'm not sure if they're good enough small moves, but I don't think it really matters. Well, and when you look when you look at this team from a starting five, I mean, obviously you've got Russell Westbrook, you've got James Harden, uh, and then you run a combination. I mean, PJ Tucker. Uh, what I mean at that point, maybe some some Eric Gordon, uh, and then you yeah. and then you bring out you know Clint Capella. I mean, you've got you've got four of a of a starting five in my opinion that are great. You've got a couple, you know, kind of second tier role player guys, uh, you know, like PJ Tucker, uh, Tavo Cephalosha's defenses, I think, really really good and will lend a lot to this team. Uh, Gerald Green, Eric Gordon, but after you get past kind of that that surface level, there's a huge drop off for this team, and and I think that's one thing Absolutely. that if I were if I was a Rockets fan, I would worry about is you know, how is D'Antoni going to control the minutes? Because if right. you run James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook for, 
you know, 35, 40 minutes a night, that's not going to bode well in the, in the grand scheme of things long-term. And, and I think the Rockets do want a, a top two seed in this division. And I think they've got a real shot at it. Yeah. So D'Antoni, Ray said in his press conference, Eric Gordon starting this, the start of the season. Uh, so first game he'll be there. Um, they're going to go small and honestly, the defense is going to be scarce. And that was the issue last year. They were just off the such a slow start. I know with injuries and not having Chris Paul, um, their guard defensive anchor, uh, they, that's where it all unraveled at the beginning, the defensive side of things. And they were a bottom five defense until the midway point. And um, Harden's defense vastly improved along with other guys as well. They ended the year almost a top 10 defense. And they were really dang good on that side of the ball to finish the year. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. It's, it, it's interesting for their depth, but they obviously set this up so they can keep running Harden and now Westbrook into the ground along with Capella playing them the minutes they want. I do think they have other, uh, they're much deeper than they were last year. And I honestly, I think Austin Rivers is going to take a big jump again this year in minutes and, um, honestly progression as a player overall, uh, I'm okay with it, and I just Harden's been so durable. It's just, yeah, how long is it going to last? It's made to win now, that's for sure. It, no, it's it's funny that you mentioned made to win now. I mean, what do you what do you think the window is for this team uh, to to continue to be a title contender? And now that, uh, in my opinion, the curse of Chris Paul is done, uh, do you think mm-hmm. they've got it? They've got a chance here. And, and what do you think their window is? That's a great point. Nobody talks about the curse of Chris Paul. I I believe in it. I think it's real. Uh, so I, I hopefully that's the case too for Houston's sake. I think if they extended the window, honestly, if Chris Paul was here, I think they would have had just as good of a shot. They're one of six teams I call true first tier contenders. Um, I think their window with Chris Paul would have been only another year, maybe two tops, depending on how they filled out the roster. Um, otherwise. Uh, but now they extended it to three or four, in my opinion. Um, I believe in Westbrook, and I think he's in the best shape of his life, um, to be honest. Uh, he, I think he's really healthy, looks really good. Uh, I think he's ready to rock. This fresh start's going to be perfect for him. You know, so the, the, the other thing that really concerns me with this team, and I want to get your thoughts on it too, the Rockets had zero picks in the NBA draft this year. They had as many picks in the draft as you and I did, Zach zero picks their big free agency splashes with the addition of Russell Westbrook in the trade. Uh, they re-signed Eric Gordon to a four-year extension. They signed Gerald green, Austin rivers and Daniel house. Again, you know, I, I don't necessarily think they got better, but not having any draft picks, especially when, you know, the Pelicans had a top pick uh, Memphis had a top pick and, and, you know, they all seem to get better with youth. The Rockets get better by adding Russell Westbrook, but there's no youth in that organization. What do you think on that? Yeah, so for youth, I mean, it's basically Daniel House, and yeah, you can say what you want. I think Austin Rivers is still developing at 27 years old. A lot of people think he's older. Ben McElmore, I think this is the best shot he's ever going to get. Uh, yeah, there's, I'm not worried about the youth youth they didn't get. This Isaiah Hartenstein might be the most athletic player outside of Russell Westbrook. Um, it's kind of crazy. I, I hope he gets minutes because I'm very interested to see what he can become. 
Uh, Gary Clark, there's there's a little shine there maybe. Um, you have to unravel a lot more. Um, but honestly, they're they're built to win. Like I said, it's youth isn't going to help you win at all. So it's just hurting them for the years down the road. Uh, but they have very outside of uh, Russell Westbrook, they have very tradable contracts. Um, Nene and uh, Tavo and now Ryan Anderson, they're saying that they really work the CBA and the, um, their contracts like Daryl Morey does at his finest. So they can get picks if they want them. They can trade for guys. I think they have the talent to trade for like a Kevin Love um, or this might sound crazy, but a guy that would be perfect. I, I never even want to bring it up because he's my favorite, uh, Robert Covington, that type of player. Um, it just scars me to have that come out of my mouth. <laughs> but, uh, no, man, I, I think they're set up just just fine to contend for the right now in the next two, three years. And the, that, all they need to do is just fill in pieces that are going to get the job done. Um, Tabo's going to have a bounce-back year. I love that the, the OKC guys are back together. I would love for them to find a way to get Serge Ibaka to make this thing super real. Uh, but I think they're going to be just fine, to be honest. They might have a mid-season trade coming. Uh, the other thing to look out for is Mike D'Antoni's on a contract year, and a lot of people don't understand how bad this guy wants to be in Houston. He wants to coach. He, him and James Harden have an amazing relationship. So he's going to coach his ass off. It's going to be fun. Now, uh, for this Russell Westbrook trade, the Rockets gave up uh, two protected first-round picks in 2024 and 2026. Also, a couple pick swaps in 21 and 25. Uh, do you think that's the right amount for Russell Westbrook? Too much? Not enough? You know, it's it's hard to say. Like, they had to do what they had to do. Um, Sam Presti, he's, uh, him and Dale Morey aren't the easiest guys to negotiate. Probably the two hardest in the league, to be honest. So they knew they had to get rid of Chris Paul. Like there was no other option. And if you got a chance to upgrade Chris Paul, especially, um, on a bad contract, you do that in a second, no matter what future considerations you have to give up. And here's the thing too. I mean, Daryl Morey isn't managing or isn't playing this game for the future he's playing this to win right now and then maybe dip out i think i I know he loves houston i know he's got a great relationship with harden too which is awesome but he's playing for right now and i think that move was i honestly loved it i think it's perfect now it's up to mike d'antoni this thing works up to daryl morey to watch this thing closely and figure out what he needs to add to go. I mean, the only thing I'm really worried about is the defense, to be honest. And I, I they managed last year just fine. And I think the guys that they're going to rely on for defense are only getting better there. Now, uh, Pavada right now has the Houston Rockets at 53 and a half for the over-under. I'm um, going to ask you the same question I've been asking everybody. You're sitting at the sportsbook in Vegas. You see it at 53 and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? That's as hard as they get, my man. I thought about this one a while, um, to be honest. And I I want to peg them right at 53, 54, right in there. I mean, with great health, I mean, I think their ceiling, yeah, is 60 to 64 wins for 
sure. But uh, Westbrook, I mean, his, his health is always questionable. Harden's been super healthy, so it's coming. Like, there's no way he just can keep playing as many games as he does. And Capella, I'm probably going to go just slightly under to be at 53, to be honest. I would peg him at 52, 53. Um, but they're right there. They're right there. I don't I won't judge anybody if you go over that. Um, but, yeah, I just think – I think they're going to try to pace these guys, and I think they'll have enough depth to do so. And where do you see the Rockets finishing the year? You think they can pull off the uh, the championship run? Like I said, they're one of six teams I got in the mix. Um, I think have as good of a shot as anybody. It all depends on where they're seated and where who we play. I truly think this team can win. I really do. Um, James Harden's going to shoot the best three-point percentage of his career. I think that the pace is going to be there. The pace is going to increase like no other. Uh, it's just the defense. Will the defense be there? They need to be a top-ten defense, and that's going to be really dependent on Harden and Westbrook, um, how hard they want to play the whole year, and because that's what's going to matter when they're jockeying for seeding. Uh, as of right now, I mean – I'm not going to put they're my favorite to win it all because they aren't. I mean, if I have to pick one, it's I lean a little more to the Clippers. I mean, they're the team I got winning this thing, but I think the Rockets are just as good as any right behind them. All right, Zach. Again, you always come in the clutch for me, man. Uh, give everybody a, a, a place to find you and how to listen to you and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, you got it. Uh, First of all, I got to hear, are you hitting that over? Oh, you know, as much as I want to, <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I'm i right there with you. I would, if I, if I, if I had to choose, I think I'd take the under and I'd be biting my nails the whole time. <laughs> okay. Do you think they're a true contender though? I do. I do. I think, okay. I think the West is going to be, I mean, it's, it's already the toughest division and I think, uh, it's going to be proven this year. I think the the team that wins the division will win under 60 games. I think it's going to be that tight as we go around. Absolutely. So there you go. I had to hear your side of this. So um, <laughs> again, it, it, it's Zach Noble, everybody. I'm with the Four Seasons Podcast for SENS um, Dash Radio. Every Thursday, we're on at six o'clock, six Central Time. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Z A K N O B L E. Um, I just did a top 100, so destroy me for that, please. And then uh, <laughs> ball is life. Catch me everywhere there. Um, we do one or two a week and got some pretty big surprise guests coming up that I'm excited to share. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. I appreciate it, man. All right. You have a good one, Kevin. Later. Welcome back to The Howl. This is our Southwest Division preview here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And we are now joined to cover the new look New Orleans Pelicans. We are joined by Chris Connor. Uh, he is a writer for The Bird Rights, and he's got some great content. Chris, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Definitely appreciate it, Kevin. Happy to be on, man. Hey, so this this Pelicans team got a, a huge, huge facelift. 
uh, you know, we, we, we went through all the drama last year. Uh, they go 33 and 49. Anthony Davis sits out for a lot of the season. Uh, you know, we saw the emergence of Drew Holiday, and I think Drew played really, really well. But everything was it, – it was really the Anthony Davis circus all of last year. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it was it was definitely a roller coaster. And when you think about how the season started with – or or even, even before the season started with a lot of the uncertainty in regards to if Anthony Davis would say if he was truthfully given – uh, the Pelicans, uh, you know, a half a season or a full season to prove that that was the place that he should, um, you know, commit to long term. You know, a lot was made about him signing with with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, and um, you know, I mean, they ended up starting off, you know, pretty pretty damn well. They were they were four and zero, I believe, to start the year, and it seemed like things would go in a in the complete opposite direction, and then um. You know, the Pelicans had had a few injuries, and one of them actually ended up happening to Anthony Davis. I believe he ended up breaking a, breaking a finger, or uh, it was a, a, a finger sprain or something along those lines in which he missed a couple of weeks. And then, I mean, everything from there, man, all hell broke loose. And, um, you know, it's kind of crazy, uh, almost um, a year later, thinking about where this team is going and where they're at currently. Yeah, they're in a they're in a really great spot, and let's talk about that Anthony Travis Anthony Davis trade. Now there were a, a lot of picks included as well, but really, kind of the, the center of it for the Lakers was the the young core, uh, three guys all under the age of twenty four: uh, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. Uh, now let me let me ask you your thoughts on this. Do you think that that young core um, is going to be successful, especially here in New Orleans? It was. You know, we saw initially uh, LeVar Ball coming out and saying that Lonzo wasn't going to play in New Orleans and all of this, but it seems like uh, Lonzo's kind of embraced his time in New Orleans. What do you think about this young core, and can they be successful in in New Orleans? Well, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to jump the gun necessarily. Uh, I mean, they're currently playing right now as we speak. Um, you know, ironically, and a good majority of the of the core is playing is playing well that they that they traded for whatever you take from preseason. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest key here is that everybody that they got back from the trade fits the style of offense, the philosophy that they want to play with offensively. Uh, when David Griffin brought back Alvin Gentry, and, I, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of the public knows this, but, you know, I think Alvin was probably on his way out if they had – brought in another president of basketball operations or, you know, a different, a different person to run the, run the team, a general manager of sorts. Maybe if they bring in like a Danny Ferry or something, uh, Evan Gentry may have been on his way out. And then who knows what this team or what this uh, return from Anthony Davis looks like. But I, I mean, when you break them down, Lonzo Ball is the perfect point guard for the type of system that Alvin Gentry wants to run. Uh, you know, he's up and down the floor, you know, he's, a, he, he's an unselfish guy. You know, he can defend. He's long. He's, you know, he's rangy. He can rebound. You know, the only the – biggest, the, the biggest thing with him has been staying on the floor and getting some consistency with his, with his offense and with his jump shot. And um, for those that have, been, that have been paying attention, they've seen the videos and how he, and how he tweaks the shot to where his elbow uh, isn't, isn't as far out and it, it, isn't, it isn't doing, you know, going uh, around his head and of sorts more of an up and down uh, motion and 
that looks like it's gonna it's gonna pay dividends for him down the road. So he's perfect for for what Alvin wants to do. And when you also throw in Drew Holiday, I know most people picture Drew as a as a point guard because that's what he came into the league as, and that's what most people identify him as. But during his best seasons, and you know these these past two years in specific, they've both been at shooting guard. He's even came out and said openly that he likes playing off the ball. He doesn't want to play point guard. He can do it in in stretches, but he likes having someone next to him. Uh, who can run, set up, and generate the offense, which is why you saw Alfred Payton last year and Rajon Rondo before that. Um, but, yeah, so Lonzo, Lonzo fits great. Josh Hart, the guy, you know, 3 and D guy, gets up and down the floor, fun, energetic presence. Uh, and I think another guy, if he can stay on the floor, I think he's much better than what he ended up showing last year and what in the, the circus that was the Lakers when it comes to, a, when it comes to shooting. I think his, you know, his three-point percentage will be back up around 36, 37, 38, which will be great off the bench. Uh, another wing was the was the Pelicans have lacked for some time. And then you got Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is the wild card of, you know, of all the three. Um, you know, it's really it's really unknown what his future will be with him being up for a contract soon. But listen, I mean, you know, he's a guy who's only he's only 21 years old. Um, and I, regardless what you think of him, it was probably unfair of him being compared to, to, to Kevin Durant coming out of Duke um, and people expecting him to hit the ground running as a star. But if there's one thing he can do, he can get his own shot. He's another guy who's long and rangy. He has, you know, uh, he's a very smart player on the floor, unselfish, can defend when he chooses to. And I think one of the one of the biggest underrated or underrated aspects of his game and what he's going to bring to New Orleans is that for his size and at his position, he's a pretty good playmaker. So if Alvin wants to get Lonzo off the off the ball and rest Lonzo and rest Drew, you can have Brandon Ingram on the floor as a guy who brings the ball up the floor and sets up others. So I think everybody it's just going to be curious. It's going to be good to watch to see how they all mess together. But um, when you look at what they ended up adding around him, especially in free agency, um, I think they did well with what they added. Yeah, they they made a, a, a some some very good moves, and and the two guys that I want to talk about here are the two guys who I think will make the biggest impact uh, that were free agency signings. And one that really surprised me was J.J. Redick. Uh, I think that's a great addition. They also signed uh, big man Derek Favors. Talk about what what those two will have on this team as an impact. I mean, I think it's going to be massive. Well, the biggest thing that it represents um, when you consider New Orleans being a smaller market and um, the – the feeling throughout the national media being that no one wanted to play there, no one wants to come there, is that you have two established veterans who've been in the league a long time that would have been attractive, would have been um, uh, looked at as attractive assets for a lot of other places, and would have there would have been a lot of teams in line, uh, definitely for JJ and, and, and sure for for Derek Favors, um, but for both of them to say we want to go to New Orleans, we want to be a part of that. Um, I mean, I think it makes a big difference for a team that, as we talked about earlier, I mean, uh, less than, what, three, four months before that, you know, they were they were out of, you know, they were out of the playoffs. They were about to be out of a superstar in a complete, complete chaos of sorts. So um, I think I think when you when you look at it in total, uh, those guys just wanted to be a part of what David Griffin is building uh, makes a big difference. But if we're talking strictly on the basketball floor, I mean, look, I mean, listen, who who doesn't want a guy like J.J. Redick in today's era that can that can stretch the floor 
um, you know, is a is a is a really good really good competitor, awesome leader, uh, unselfish dude as well that doesn't mind coming off the bench, um, and that will be his role more than likely uh, in New Orleans. But outside of that, um, you know, he's a guy that if you if you need a bucket, you know, he's not just he's not just strictly a three point shooter. You know, he can come around screens. You know, he can he can uh, he's a he's an underrated an underrated passer, high high IQ can get you uh, nice nice mid range coming off of coming off of curls and pin downs. Um, and he brings you he brings you leadership, playoff experience. That uh, I was able, lucky enough to be in, uh, involved in media day, and uh, there was a there was a joke about what I'm sure that everyone thought about him telling Zion basically not to mess up his uh, his 13 for or his incoming I believe 13 for 13 uh, stretch in reference to being uh, in the playoffs, um, and it, I guess that him coming to New Orleans also shows that he believes in what they can do, not just in regards to having youth and growing um, a bunch of you know a bunch of young veterans and rookies, but he believes the team can compete right away. And as for Derek Favors, I mean, listen, a lot of people may not know about him with Rudy Gobert being being out there, him him playing off the bench, and um, but listen, I mean, Favors Favors is a is an analytics guy. Uh, anybody who who looks beyond the the box score will tell you a bunch of wonderful things about what Derek Favors can do. Uh, he's a guy that can number one, he can teach some of the other you know guys like Jackson Hayes who they drafted. Uh, you know you got you got your little Okafor off your bench. He can he can be a veteran presence for them. Another guy who is high IQ, high motor, been to the playoffs, knows what it knows what it means to put some of these teams together, put some of these stretches and run. The guy that can get his own bucket in the post. He's a really good defender, and for the first time in his career, he's going to have a chance to be in a in a in an up and down system to really show different aspects of his game offensively, and he has a chance to play the you know to play the center the, the center position for the first time really ever um, outside of when Rudy Gobert uh, was hurt or injured. You know, I mean, he was either a being next to Rudy Gobert or early in his career he was drafted as a power forward. Now he gets to play center, and we get to really see. What a um, an unpackaged Derek Favors looks like in a um, in a team that should be top five in pace. Yeah, and 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 it, it's great that you mentioned pace because you look at just how young the starting five can potentially be for this team, and it's it's uh, no doubt that this team is probably going to be up there in pace. I mean, you look at you know the the at least four of your five starters all probably going to be under the age of twenty five. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, you know, Derek Favors maybe in the mix. Maybe they even look at Jackson Hayes. And, and Jackson Hayes is a guy that I think really intrigues me for this team. He was taken as the number eight overall pick out of Texas. Uh, he's, he's a really good athlete. He's got a great wingspan on him. What do you see Jackson Hayes bringing to this team? Well, what's been, what's been talked about as of late, and I think a lot of us ended up, ended up predicting once you saw them, um, you know, be pretty transparent about them being committed to Jaleel Okafor being on the roster this year, uh, and then bringing in Derek Favors, then going out and signing Nikola Melli, uh, an established uh, role-playing big man uh, from Europe, that Jackson more than likely wasn't going to play much this year. They looked at it as a as a redshirt type of year for him. But you know, I was at I was at some of the watching him, man, and you know, the kid is. You know, I don't think I realized how good he could really be. I think most of us, considering his 
what he came from in Texas and what he was asked to do, which is really much, which is pretty much be, um, you know, uh, a rim protector and a guy who makes plays around the basket. He has other skills that he has that he hadn't been able to really show. And I mean, he just listened to what to what he was to what he was told. We saw him dribble dribble the ball a little bit. We saw him shoot from outside the paint, which was which was encouraging. And you know, while his body isn't developed yet, and I think that's the biggest the biggest aspect when thinking about him that, uh, or, or when talking about him is that this year is going to be important to him for him to develop his body because um, in the summer league, man, he was flying all over the place, but he was falling all over the place. And if you're doing that in summer league, when you're out here playing against professionals, uh, that's just that's not what you want out of your you know out of a first round pick, uh, out of someone that you are really high on going forward. I mean, he's going to be an important piece down the line. But similar to what you see out of like San Antonio Spurs, they don't have to they don't have to play him right away. You know, they have the luxury of being able to let him continue to develop some things around around the basket because I mean, I mean, he has, I think. Um, once he's able to be in a professional setting and he's playing in a system that fits his game, I mean, the guy has amazing lateral equipment for his size. Uh, everybody saw that, that fantastic dunk that he, you know, that he did that broke the internet. Um, but I think his game is a lot more, a lot more than that. And he'll have the chance to not be pushed into a situation right away. Um, and, and when he is ready physically, mentally, and uh, fundamentally, I mean, I, I think uh, he can really, really be a an important part on this team now if we if we look at Bavada, we look at the uh over under for the pelicans uh now last year they went 33 and 49 this year they've got that win total actually up a bit it's got it at 39 and a half uh the question i've been asking everybody you're at a sports book in vegas you see 39 and a half on the wall uh chris are you taking the over or the under Oof. well i mean i'm not a well, I'm lying. I I am kind of a betting man. So I, I, I that. <laughs> uh, man, uh, that's tough, man. Because the you know the Western Conference is so crazy, man. You know, uh, you know we saw teams like Sacramento come out of nowhere and you know really really make it make a close playoff push. We saw the Clippers be be competitive when most people thought after they traded Tobias Harris they were going to be done. You know, the Lakers missed the playoffs for, for a plethora of reasons. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things. The West is so damn deep. You know, you could you could be at the, you know, the, the 11th or 12th seed and be a playoff team if you were in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, every night is a, is a pretty much a tough challenge when you're in the West. But I think, I think one thing that's different about this team than years in the past is that they're so deep, man. You know, they're, they're going to be some talented basketball players that are going to be on their bench. They're going to be in the G League. They could be playing meaningful minutes for other for other franchises. So I think when you consider the depth, injuries will happen. And the the, the thing that used to really deplete the Pelicans in the past is when one guy would go out, uh, it would really shift everything. You'd have guys that probably shouldn't be playing more than five ten minutes a game, giving you twenty five thirty minutes, and that plays a that plays a big role when you're playing teams that are that are really good, have been together for a while, and that are uh, fighting for playoff spots themselves so I, I i could see them finishing over that 39 uh that 39 win total i mean i really believe in what david griffin has put together i believe in the mentality and these guys are all confident when you're when you're around them you know they seem to love each other they're 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 unselfish you felt a different type of energy being just in the building around all these dudes 
Um, my thought is that they can fight for for an, um, the uh, the eighth spot in the West, and if they can, I mean, you figure that's going to be close to 50 wins, 45, 46, 47. That's going to put you over 39. If they miss out, I could see them finishing 500 or maybe at that, that 40 and 42 marker right there, just right above 39. So I would take the over personally. I think that's the right decision. You know, I was saying uh, in an earlier interview, I think – uh, the West is obviously the, the stronger of the two conferences, and I think uh, nobody in the West wins more than 60 games this year. Uh, I think it's just it's it's too close to call, and and I would even go as far to say as maybe even the top 13 or 14 uh, could get a playoff spot over in the East, uh, which will push Adam Silver to make the uh, the playoffs a top 16 thing instead of uh, eight per. Uh, one one final question for you: if you if you had to choose. Uh, who do you think is winning it all this year and why? Ooh, yeah, we, man, we get you, uh, we get you with the questions here on the howl. Yeah, that, yeah, they caught me. They caught me off guard here, man. I wasn't prepared. Uh, <laughs> let's see who is who is going to win it all, man. I, you know, I feel like I'd be cliche saying the saying the uh, the Clippers. Um, I mean, in, in in some in some ways, it's hard not to pick them, but. I am going to go with a little bit, a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76. Wow! So the champion comes out yeah. of the East this year. I am going to, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I, I don't believe much of what I see on Instagram and on a lot of these videos that uh, these these offseason videos of these players working out with each other and playing at playing at Lifetime or uh, or or LA Fitnesses against you know who knows who. Or I mean, even when they're playing amongst the, amongst each other, but I think Ben Simmons is going to be fantastic this year, and I don't, I, I won't be the one to say he's going to, you know, shoot over thirty five percent from three, but I do know he's going. In my opinion, he's going to, he's going to take them, and he's going to make a few, and that's going to change his game and change that team completely. Um, I like what they did, in, you know, in reference to keeping, to keeping Tobias, Tobias Harris, and signing them long term. I like having. A, Another scoring option there. Um, I'm a big fan of of acquiring uh, Josh Richardson, who is another another defender that's going to make a a big time impact for them. A three and D guy. Um, and I mean, when you when you consider the length, the uh, the flexibility that they're that they're going to have. I mean, I don't know 100 percent what the bench is going to look like from top to bottom, but I believe in jo- in Joel and B. I know how hungry he is, and they received one thing that. A lot of people aren't talking about. They were hurt, you know. I mean, we saw Joel and B crying, and I mean that was pain. And he talked about during media day how much did that that fueled him. I think they're coming out with you know on a mission, and in in this NBA right now, with Kevin Durant out more than likely for you know most of the season, or or, or perhaps all the season, all of the season when he does come back, he won't be a hundred percent. You know, with with Golden State being being depleted. I mean, if Philly does get to the to the finals, they're looking at the Clippers. They're looking at the Lakers. You know, it, depending on how you how you feel about them, maybe a, you know a team like Utah or you know Denver. But I believe in what Ben Simmons is going to bring to the table this year. And you know, I, I don't know, man. Just something something tells me they're going to be the team to win it all. Um, sorry, Milwaukee, but um, yeah, that's where I'm going. All right, there you have it, folks. You heard it here first. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to win the NBA championship. 
according to Chris Connor. Chris, I'm going to give you a little bit here to uh, shamelessly plug all your stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, everybody, you guys can follow all my work on thebirdrights.com. Um, I mean, I, I, I got a few things that I'm, that I'm cooking up. I got a player pre- a preview coming up on, on Josh Hart. Uh, I just did something on Drew Holiday about a couple, about a week and a half ago in reference to David Griffin's thought about him possibly being an MVP candidate. Um, man, I, I do an outsider's perspective piece pretty much through every, through every game that, that New Orleans has, which it kind of finds a, uh, a notable writer or, you know, a contributor of some sorts from the opposing team to kind of get a feel on uh, a few questions about what the other team is looking or looking like, or just some, some sort of recap. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You can follow me on Twitter at impatient bull. And yeah, man, I mean, check out everything that we have going at the bird rights. It's going to be a fun year. If you, if you, uh, if you are a Pelicans fan, there's, hasn't been a, a time like this to be in the mix uh, in a very long time. So, yeah, it's good to be on board. All right, Chris. Thanks again, man. And I look forward to talking to you as the uh, as the Wolves play the Pelicans this season. <laughs> nah, man, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, I see that Cat grew his hair out, and now he has cornrows to go with Andrew Wiggins. So I believe in two guys having cornrows on the same team. I think that's going to make a big difference for them. People aren't talking about it enough. So, absolutely. Welcome back to the Southwest Division preview here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and The Howl. Uh, Usually in this spot, we have a guest to talk Mavericks, but in honor of our favorite player of all time joining the Dallas Mavericks in the offseason, we figured we would cover them ourselves tonight. That player is Boban Marjanovic. Uh... It is no longer the Bobby and Toby show as Tobias Harris stays in Philadelphia, but Boban is in Dallas where he's got a real chance to thrive. So we're just going to take a few minutes. We're going to, between the three of us here, we're going to talk Dallas Mavericks, which is something we don't do uh, often on this show. But uh, guys, Dallas last season, 33 and 49, they go out and they acquire Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Luka Doncic, we see the emergence of him as one of the, uh, one of the better players in basketball. And this is a team that, that has opportunity to be pretty sneaky good next year if, uh, if everything goes as it should. The Mavs, I really like their aggressiveness on the rebuild, right? You know, the phasing out of Dirk, it felt like it took forever. It, yeah. Am I wrong? Yep. Okay. But the aggressiveness to get Przingis, who... I feel like they sort of jumped on that opportunity because if I remember that circumstance right, it was like, next thing you know, you hear Chris Stapps is maybe some rumblings he wants out. Next thing you know, he's traded and he's with the, he's with the Mavs. I love the pairing with Doncic. I think that combo, if you're looking long-term Mavs future, if those are your building blocks, those are some incredible pieces. I'm really interested in one of their pickups. So DeLon Wright their starting point guard. That's what it's listed at as the depth on their depth chart. I, I'm interested to see what he can do. So he had a pretty good year with Memphis. What's he going to do now with the Mavericks? That's going to be key for me. He's shown at the guard position. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's been a decent assist man. So you're, you're talking about pretty, pretty good numbers, not great numbers, but again, you're playing on the Grizzlies, not a great team. And so now you have other players that are going to be able to help you out. 
Now, how much is he going to be the primary ball handler? When you have a guy like Luka Doncic, that can make a pretty big difference. So a lot of it's going to depend on how they plan on using different players, I guess, and what their system's going to look like. But he would be a guy I'm intrigued by. Also, a guy that we don't, I personally don't normally like, but Mavs fans, I know, are big fans of him. I wonder how he comes back from injury, and that would be in how he, J.J. Brea. Yep, and, th- and they got some good insurance at that position. Uh, Brunson, solid. Yeah, and then they went out and got a guy by the name of Seth Curry. So yep. they signed a Curry, just not the Curry that they wanted it to be necessarily. I'm a big but fan of Seth Curry. I think Seth Curry thrives in this role. And, and what I really like about Dav- Dallas is there's no pressure on them this year. We know that they're kind of still in that rebuild. We get to see what Luca and Kristaps can do together. Uh, we get to see uh, our guy Boban play with them. You get to see how Dwight uh, Dwight Powell fits in. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that can go right for this Mavericks team, but there isn't a lot of expectation of them to uh, to win right now. And I think that's a huge benefit for them. They're a team that will be tough night in and night out. But a lot of that, again, depends on how Kristaps comes back from injury. How does Delon Wright, the new player, mesh with some of these other players? The goofy thing about Boban, by the way, our, our favorite guy, on the depth chart, he's listed as the fourth center. Which I, I think is, is absolutely absurd and is not going like, to be the case. They're putting him behind Kristaps, who is listed as the third center. Uh, Maxi Kleba, who I like. I like Maxi Kleba. Dwight Powell's been solid. Yep. But you're telling me you're going to spend money on Boban and he's not going to be a part of the rotation? Why would you? He's going to be a all, part of the rotation. Well, but like if he's the fourth center, think, what team is playing the fourth center? Well, but here's, no but here's the thing: is Kristaps playing center? Is he playing power forward? Well, they have him starting at the power forward position, but then they list him as being like a center that would be used more than Boban, and I think that's to me that's crazy. Just think about stepping onto a basketball court, and your two uh, <laughs> front court players are Boban. And Chris Stapps, what seven four? And I'd watch that for seven sure. two. Well, and basically, and, the only and here's th- and here's the thing: is who who starts? Is it Dwight Powell or is it Boban? Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell, which is unfortunate to me because I think Boban deserves to start. But and I would I would still say Maxi Kleba is going to get the minutes over him honestly, as, a, though, as a backup. Then why then why sign Bo- why sign I, Boban well, though? That's my question. Why I sign him? Why. But why did he sign with them if there's already guys that are already like cemented in their roles? I think he's a it's a big market. The other thing is Boban is, for me, not a, a starter. For me, he's best used in spurts of minutes where he can give a lot of energy, three to five minutes, maybe six, seven, and then he's he's back resting. I, I, I've always seen him as a 15 to 20-minute-a-game max kind of player where sure. he's high impact. His purr is going to be up there. Um, I, I, I like his aggressiveness on the boards. He's, defensively, he's a monster. So he can really wear down a team's interior. So that's what I, that's how I see him. Dwight Powell is going to be free ranging. He's quick moving, athletic center. Very different players for sure. Right? The one the one question I have about their team, I'm not sold on the small forward position for the Mavericks. I'm not a big Tim Hardaway Jr. fan. I've just never really bought into the, to him. Justin Jackson, I've always been intrigued by. I liked him out of college, but he hasn't really shown a whole lot. So you kind of wonder what's he going to bring to the table now that he's with the Mavericks. I know he was there a little bit last year, but uh, you know he's been in the league long enough where I would expect to see a jump from him. Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, an interesting player. So they've got some players that, you know, surprisingly, a guy you kind of forget about, Courtney Lee is on their roster. Yep. 
A very good shooter, a lot to like. But again, depth chart's kind of goopy. They have him listed as the fifth small forward. Yeah, Ooh. they're pretty they're pretty heavy in the in the wing uh, position, especially that that two three spot. They they seem to be pretty heavy overall, and and one can only imagine how that's going to pan out as the year goes. I mean, my guess is the is the Mavs won't uh, end the season with that many players in those two spots. I think they I think they look to move some assets, and maybe Courtney Lee is one of them to acquire some capital since they didn't have a first round pick in the draft this year. They had traded as part of the Luca trade. It, the whole thing's interesting to me. They're a team that I look at their roster. I don't love their depth. I look at the players that they acquired. I'm a little surprised that those players chose to sign there. We mentioned Boban, Seth Curry. I don't. It's to me, it's a little weird because you're going to a team that, again, like you talked about, doesn't have a lot of expectations. Probably, honestly, isn't going to be that good. The thing I have a problem with with the Mavericks, they're not even good on paper. You look at this team, you're like, mm. I, I don't think the depth is not great. You need a lot from the starters, the, the, and, and the, a lot of things have to go well for them to win on a nightly basis. This is a thirty-win max team. I think so. Wouldn't, wouldn't and you that's say? like that's like max, max. See, like, Vegas, Vegas does not agree with you guys whatsoever. Looking at Bavada odds for tonight, it has the Mavericks over under at forty and a half. That's say, absurd. Let's go play some. No bets. chance. I would take the under all day. I'd be shocked if they finished ahead of the Wolves because look at the Wolves. First of all, all that youth. But the depth is really, really good. I think the big thing, though, is that that we kind of forget, and, and you made a mention of it too, is Kristaps Porzingis is a, a, a top-tier player when he's fully healthy. He's got full recovery time. Him and Luka might take a little bit of time to gel, but you get those two dynamic players like that on the court together, and you throw in some great role players around them like Dwight Powell, like Boban, like Courtney Lee, a healthy J.J. Barea can provide a lot. Like, this team, I think, is going to be able to steal some wins that maybe it shouldn't. So while I don't think 40 and a half is is far-fetched, I'd still take the under, but I think it's close. I think it's closer to like a 38-39 as their total. Uh, I'd be pretty shocked. I, Aaron, you're in the same camp I, as I me. I don't think they're as far off I mean, as you, you guys think. You look at this team, the only sure thing I see in this team is Luka Doncic. And so if I'm a team going to play them, I say to myself, we got to stop Luca. Everything else is a question mark with these Mavericks. The other Again, Kristaps maybe comes back good, but we just don't know. Kristaps, the pictures you see of him, physically he's looked amazing like he's yep. never looked before. The trouble that I have with that is now you're going to take an injured leg, a player who, for his size, is doing these athletic feats that, you know, maybe there's five other humans on the planet that can do these types of things because – He's over seven feet tall, and he's running and jumping and spinning. All of a sudden, you're going to add thirty pounds of muscle to this guy. Does you know all of a sudden that puts it can make it ex- tough extra pressure on some things? Yeah, I, I don't agree. Know. It, it, it's the jury is out for me on what Chris Stapps is going to do for the entire season. Right? Does he make it through that? You have to wait and see. The one what, thing, what kind of restriction he may have. The one thing I've always thought was crazy to me about Chris Stapps is he's not a good rebounder. That's I don't get that. Yeah. How is he not a good? And he not and, he, and he's not like when I would do fantasy, well, he's like a, I'd be like, all right, this guy's gonna this guy's getting double rebounds, doubles, right? And he's not. Well, let's spin it back to the T walls. He rebounds like Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins doesn't go in the paint and doesn't get a body on a guy. He's not in there scrapping. Chris Stapp's rebounds are ones that basically come to him, correct? Or relatively easier style rebounds. It's not a lot of difficult fight for it kind of gets your rebounds. It's tip-ins. It's things that come to you. 
So, and really, do you want him in there? He just he just had you know recovering from knee surgery for all of a season, just signing a bunch of money. You, I mean, that's what Dwight Powell's there for. That's what Bobon's for. Let them pick yep. up the rebounds. The other thing too, I'll add is don't want your unicorn getting dirty. And part of part of the reason I, I question this is they talked about. Kristaps might miss 15 to 20 games due to load management on the season. 15 to 20 games. That's a fourth of the season he's not going to play. And that's just what they plan on him not playing. That's not counting any games where he actually gets hurt. Yep. Tweaks an ankle, tweaks a knee, whatever yeah. the case may be. So now we're talking, let's say he misses 30 games. You're going to tell me we're missing Kristaps 30 games and we're going to win 40 games? No. But here's the thing. Might, if the, if this might the, be the best bet in Vegas right now. The Mavs under. I Yeah, I'm... I'm Seriously, we gotta put some money down. Here's my like a no brainer. Here's here's my question to you guys, and I'll and I'll get where I'm going with this after you guys answer. Do you think the Mavericks are better or worse than half of the Eastern Conference teams? That's a tough call. There's a lot of really good up and coming young Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. I would I would put Because here's the thing. If the Mavericks are smart, if the Mavericks are smart, those load management games will be either on the first or second night of a back to back and against a team that's generally going to be worse than the Mavericks. So you look at that 15 to 20 games against teams that are worse than the Mavericks in the, in the East, the Mavericks could probably win a handful of those. They might still come close, but no, I mean, the more you guys say it, the more I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys, that it's probably going to be the under pretty handily. So just as an example, so the Dallas Mavericks, they're listed as the 17th best team, according to lineups.com. That's just a random website I'm going off of. So I wanted to kind of go through some of the teams and just say, all right, Let's see if these two teams are to match up. Who do I like? So better? who's right below them at eighteen? So sitting at eighteen is the Sacramento Kings, and I got—I got to be honest. I think in most cases, I think the Kings could beat the Mavs. I'd take the Kings. I'd take the Kings easily. All day I like there. the Kings roster. Uh, Nineteen is the Hawks. Are you telling me the Haw- the Hawks with Trey Young? That's a talented team. The the only thing with the Hawks is they're they're so young that we a don't know how they're going to mesh and b you got to look at what time they play each other in the season because all in all, you guys both know as well as I do, the rookie wall does exist for players. And so you got to look at, are the guys that they just picked up this year, are they going to hit a rookie wall? You look at, you look at Trey young. How is he going to be in year two? There's a lot of questions there. That one I'm not as sure so, about. As let's you. take a look Trey, here. Trey young could legitimately be an Eastern conference all-star. So in, in year I two. agree. And now here, let's just, I'm going to start at 30 and we'll kind of work our way up. Okay. So 30, they have the Suns. I think the Suns could ver- – I'm not saying the Suns are an amazing team. I think I would not be shocked if the Suns won most of the games against the Mavs. No. With Ricky Rubio added to that fold. No. Think about that starting lineup. Rubio, Booker at the two. You got T.J. Warren, DeAndre Ayton. That is a solid squad. It's solid, yes, but no. Oh, and include – now, Dario Saric is up there. I mean – Still no. I'm taking – we're definitely going to we're gonna have to make some bets here because, honestly, if you told me the Suns finished ahead of the Mavs, would not shock me one bit. I can't believe they got the math so high on that. I got to go see what, like, throw around 100. Now, what does 100 pay? Now, let's keep going down the list. It was 120 for the over, 110 for the under. Let's keep going down the list, though. So, the Cavs, Cavs are a bad team. Uh, honestly, I, how they're not last in the power rankings, I don't know. They've already, so you saw the thing about how they interviewed Colin Sexton. He goes, I'm not moving positions. Way to go. You just drafted a guy that plays the same position as yep. Colin Sexton, and he said he refuses to play any other position. That's awesome. Well, clearly, Colin Sexton, first of all, a team first guy. But, uh, Great team player. So, so that's a team that I think that's dead last. But So that's a team, of well, course, you the know, Mavs Colin are better. Sexton only likes to play with two other guys so, on the team. Yeah, right? That's the way he likes to do it. <laughs> so better, of course, better. Uh, Wizards, 
better than the Wizards. Even if the Wizards, like, you know, in their best day, I just, I don't trust them. Yep. I don't trust them. Uh, the Thunder, honestly, I'm not, I don't trust the Thunder a lot, but are you telling me the Thunder aren't at least, like, probably around the same as the Mavs? I think so. Mm. Especially if they keep Chris Paul. Look, think about the team they've got there. They've got some solid pieces. I don't love the Thunder. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams. I'm just saying, how it, they shouldn't be that much worse than the Mavericks on paper. That's that's a team. What do you what do you, like? What do you say about that? What are your thoughts on if you're looking I at think, Mavs Thunder? I think the Mavs hands down. I think the Thunder will finish below the Suns. Maybe they could be, but a lot of it depends on what happens with Chris Paul. They've got some. They've got some interesting pieces. They're trying to get rid of Stephen it, Adams. It, interesting is a good word choice. So, I, but I'm just saying, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't view the Mavs as this like just amazing team. That's I pretty, don't either. But I, but I think, I think they're better than you're giving them credit for. Here's a good. Here's another team. So 26, they have the Knicks. I'm actually higher on the Knicks than most people. I think they got a pretty cool mishmash of players that I'm very intrigued by. Good veterans, some solid young players. See now, a lot of it depends do. on how does Dennis Smith Jr. take the next step. You know, Sounds what, like is, what happens with Moutier? I, I like the Moutier's Knicks. Moutier's not the, I mean, that team isn't That's going not anywhere. The answer. Sorry. But I'm just telling you, I, in a matchup, first of all, the Knicks have better depth, and it's not close. I, I just think because they signed some really, really solid veterans. They, they had all that cap space. They got guys like Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson, night in and night out, is solid. Yep. 100% solid. I, to me, Book it. if you told me that they split or the Knicks won the season series, wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, that's a team that stinks. Can we all agree? The Charlotte Hornets are bad. They're always going to be bad. On the 2K League show last year, we tried to rebuild. And even there was nothing we could do except for when we finally moved the franchise, they won games. And now, I mean, and now, they, don't have, and now they don't have Kemba anymore. Correct. I, I, there's, there's, so I, I, I like, because what, they got Scary Terry, right? Yes. They've got, which I, of course, I like not Scary a great Terry. Shooter. He's going to have high but, usage. But he doesn't make the team better. So that's another team. So now we have two or three teams that are worse than the Mavericks. But a lot of these teams that they have is worse than the Mavericks in rankings. I, I would say it's close or they're not better. Uh, the Bulls, I think the Bulls could be a sneaky good team. I think so too. And, and when we get into the East for our, our uh, division previews, that's a team I'm very excited to talk about. Next, uh, going so forward. they're 24th. I would take the Bulls. I think the Bulls could easily sweep or uh, not sweep, but split, split. that series. Yeah. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. If you had told me that was a split, I, that wouldn't shock me. I think Memphis is very good in terms of youth and some really talented players. John Morant, Triple J. There's a lot to like about that team. I agree. Uh, the Pistons. Now I'm not super high on the Pistons, but again, we're talking Andre Drummond. They had Derrick Rose to the midst yep. with with Reggie Jackson. Whether you like Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose or not. They get the job done for the most part. Those are solid players. There's somebody else that I think we're forgetting about on that team too. Luke Kennard, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. So you're telling me that the Pistons can't beat the Mavs? I think the Pistons can definitely beat the Mavs. Yeah, Pistons a much better team than at 21. The Mavs. Uh, a team that we we all know can beat the Mavs. I don't even think I need to say what team this is because uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Hundred percent. By the way, <laughs> I want to I want to read what they have to say here just because let's see if it's interesting. So they. Uh, their previous rank was 23rd. They moved us up to 21. They say the hype for Minnesota has bounced around over the last few seasons. It is hard to rank them any higher at the moment. That's fair. I have no issue with Accurate. that. Accurate. They finished 10 games under 500 last year and just do not seem sold on their roster. That's not true. 
I don't think they could be more sold on their roster. Just the young pieces they brought in, they're all they're in on Carl Towns. They, yep. they say the draft was decent. I don't know how you could say the draft was decent when we got hands down the best defender in the draft. And a guy that uh, uh, former Howell guest Brian Oringer says could be the uh, best player out of the draft. Correct. I mean, I mean seriously. They say, well, they need a point guard, which is accurate, like a long-term answer. They can get at least ride out the contract of Jeff Teague this year and deal with it at a later date. They were supposed to sign Russell. There was a chance of moving Andrew Wiggins. Neither have happened. First of all, the second one's not true. They were never trying to – they would have moved Andrew Wiggins in the right deal, but they were not actively trying to trade him, and they weren't close to having a deal. That's not true. They had D'Angelo Russell stuff. Maybe, maybe that happens. But bottom line, at 21, that I think we're – Easily could could uh, be a good matchup against the Mavs. Yeah, a split. I agree. If we if we won the home games, they won the home games. Wouldn't shock me. But also, I think more than likely we win the series. Then you have at twenty the Magic. I'm not sold on the Magic. A lot of people are. A lot of people I'm like not. the Magic a lot. A seed in the playoffs last year. I I'm surprised I think, I how think much was, people like. The I Ma- think that was a Magic. fluke more than anything. You know. I just haven't seen development from a lot of their players. Aaron Gordon saw it. I like Aaron Gordon quite a bit. Vucevic was really good last All year. Four, last Fournier's year. decent. He's Fournier's up and down. Okay. Uh, now, a lot of it's going to depend on Fultz. If he, gets, if he can find what he had previously before the Sixers ruined him, I wonder what happens there. I've seen videos of his shot. His shot looks a lot better. Yep. Now, granted, very low bar. His shot looked abysmal before. But he's, he's trending in the right direction. The goofy thing is they don't even have him as a starter, uh, which is uh, which is to me is weird because I'm not I'm not all in on DJ Augustine. I, maybe I'm missing something there, but I don't get that. Especially if you don't have, they must have high expectations. I'll say that DJ Augustine is like the younger generation's version of Raven Felton. He's like the starting point guard that's kind of like he's just the perpetual backup. Yeah, but always is playing. Uh, so it's and goofy to buckets. me. It's goofy to me. So now we're back to where we already went with the Hawks, the Kings. And all of a sudden, I'm saying to myself, Mavs aren't looking that good, are they, Las Vegas? I just I, – I so I'm big into Vegas. I understand they have the most to lose when it comes to stuff. So there's a lot of reasons how they pick. There's, there's a science behind picking over-unders. I think they got it wrong. Flat out, I think they got it wrong. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, as the Now, as the last team in the Southwest Division preview that we're covering – uh, guys, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked our guests tonight. Uh, really quickly, who do you guys have winning at all this season in the NBA? That's tough. I, I, my first thought is definitely it always jumps to the Clippers for me. But I will say this. The team that I, I think ultimately is going to win it, I think it's going to be the Lakers. Because I think somehow they're going to find lightning in a bottle with Dwight Howard. And he's going to do... Not everything that DeMarcus Cousins did, but between him and JaVale McGee, I think they're going to make up for losing Cousins. And AD and LeBron are so good together. I just think it's going to be magic. Boy, it's going to be an interesting season. Hard-hitting questions. For the first time, you know, I'm 36 years old. For the first time I can remember in a long time, surprised since I was a kid, was there not this trio of absolute studs on a team? Right, yeah. like yeah, for like sure. it feels like to me it the league is so balanced. There's two stars sitting across on every team, and then there's there's role players. Kawhi and Paul George feel like the ticket to me. Kawhi, that's a good has, squad too, top to bottom. I like what they're defensively building. with yeah. you know Montrez Harrell. They got some Pat, Pat Bev. Bev. These these guys are they're get after it kind of guys. I like that roster a lot. 
I can't, it's hard to go against Kawhi and what he's been doing. And if you want to talk about players that could guard LeBron, I think they could do it. I don't know if they got a guy that can guard AD. I don't know. I don't even know if that player exists in the league right AD now. AD is the is the is the caveat for for sure. But it would it would have to take almost a passing of the torch from LeBron to AD as saying you need to be the man now. Well, I've been the man for 15 years. Did you watch did you guys watch in the preseason game? They looked so good. good. And it wasn't like they were playing bad. This was the the starters for the Warriors. I think it was they started off 12-0. And they looked, they looked fantastic. And AD looked phenomenal. So here's here's the thing, and and let me know if you guys agree with this or not. I would say there's probably ten teams currently in the league that have a realistic chance of winning the NBA championship this year. Yeah, it's not a long list. I mean, it's but but it's I mean, it's ten teams longer than how normal. many? I mean, yeah. If you look at the last few years, it's been maybe last two, three, four. Decade. Like, well, but the, the fact Warriors that skew that, of course. Well, but but that's, that's what I'm saying. The last five years. That's what I'm saying. In the last five years, that's you fair. maybe had less. I mean, yeah. I could put on one hand the number of teams that have actually had a legitimate chance. Now you've got ten. Most of those coming from the West, but teams in Would the you, East. Wait, wait. Do you really think it's ten? Like, I think I think it's poten- Sixers, possibly. Sixers I want to. I want to go there. just briefly. It's like what are the teams? I think Sixers. Okay, so here's so here's my ten. You guys tell me if you agree with me or not. Lakers. Start in the West Coast. Okay, Lakers, Clippers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Warriors, I think, are a team you can never officially count out. I think Portland, or uh, sorry, not Portland, uh, Denver. I think the Clippers. You I already say the Clippers. Clippers. Yeah. Four. So, uh, it's got a flat tag. Jazz, I think, are a legitimate so, team. I got to be honest, after you said the two LA teams, not a single one of these teams do I think can win the championship. I think the Sixers. I just don't. I think the Bucks. I think... So surprisingly enough, for some reason, I actually agree on the Bucks. I just don't. I just don't see how any of those Western Conference teams are going to make it through both the Clippers and the Lakers. I think the Celtics could be a team as well. That especially with Kemba as their point guard now, they're off of the it. Kyrie drama. I don't see it unless Jalen Brown takes some giant step. I don't see how the Celtics do it. I worry about what the Celtics are going to do in the paint, losing Al Horford. That was a huge loss, but. The Bucks, the 76ers. <sighs> See, the, now the, I'll say this. The reason why I say the Bucks is because I think Giannis is game-changing, like absolutely yes. game-changing. And because he has to get through the teams in the East as opposed to what the West teams have to get through, I just don't see a team making it through the gauntlet of the West other than L.A., one of the L.A. teams that's then able to also win the championship. Whereas the Bucks, if one of these like other teams you mentioned in the West somehow made it through, I think the Bucks would win that. Would win that. Would win that. I think, and that's that's the thing is there's so much competition in the West. I think it's almost honestly easier to pinpoint a team in the East that could win over a team in the West. Just because it's attrition. Yeah. You get to the championship and you're like, I just took down Goliath. And if you're the Bucks, for example, you look back and you're like, I just took down nothing. Yeah, you're like, cool, thanks for taking out the number one team in the league. Like, if you told me an Eastern Conference team only had to play, like, how, like, you know, average, let's say, five games a series, that would not shock me. Like, if the team that made it to the championship only had to win most, on average, five games, not that would I'm, not shock me at all. I'll, I'll say this. I'm super excited to start previewing the East here coming up on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Channel and the Howl. Uh, let's, let's end the conversation there. Let's get into the rest of the show. We got a lot to cover. 
and between the three of us, we got all season to talk about this too as the uh, as the season unfolds. So uh, we got a lot more coming up, including can Kevin Cousy in the Howell Hardwood history, plus so much more. Don't go anywhere. Again, you are listening to 